Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Welcome to the Table podcast. My name is Khalil. My name is Sean. And we are super excited for another conversation. We've got Jeff Gowing on here with us. Jeff, it's so good to have you, man. Yeah, Yeah, excited to be here, guys. Just fun conversations are always had. And we're always thinking about how do we follow Jesus better? And I thought that I had this week actually stemmed from a conversation that Sean and I were having was the idea of really looking for joy of looking for for delight in everyday life that it's actually more our responsibility as followers of christ to live that way to live with an anticipation of delight and joy it's hard you know we know that life can be discouraging it comes with its flows and it's it's high points and it's low points but i believe that we are called to to model um, not only in our patterns and our rhythms, the gospel, but also in our attitude, the gospel, that this isn't necessarily like a uh, o- overly optimistic fatism of just like, it's, it's all good. God's got a plan, but, but really a, a constant hope grounded in the gospel. So I uh, kind of wanted to bring that conversation up of, of what do you guys think about that? It, you know, push back, feel like, you know, is that accurate? Um, or yeah. where's the space where we need this in our lives or we're missing this consistently as followers of Jesus. Yeah. And even like we, as we were chatting and, and pulling Khalil in this, and like all three of us kind of, you know, in a separate conversation, just, I don't know if I was ever raised, even in the church raised with this idea that I want to anticipate joy, anticipate delight and looking for it in the the day-to-day, the mundane, the highs, the lows, the idea even of delight. We really just don't talk a lot about that. Maybe we do. And I just, in my frame, framework or context or whatever, I just never, uh, I, I didn't run into it that much, like defining it. Like what is delight? And um, a book by Dan B. Allender called, it, it's a book called Sabbath. It's um, a part of a small series, a book series of about eight on ancient practices. I read uh, about two years ago and uh, he just talks about Sabbath as delight and it got me thinking. It's just kind of sparked this whole idea of like, okay, well, what is – what does it mean for when we say that the the Lord or that creator God or – uh, the Father God delights in his people. He delights in us. And what does that mean for me as an image bearer in the mundane, you know, in the day-to-day, in the – maybe not even the mundane. Maybe that's a little bit too strong. But, you know, and so I think I think it's worth a, a conversation. So, yeah. So bring me into this and our listeners a little bit because I, I really wasn't a part of whatever, you know, your guys' offline conversation. But – this conversation about around delight, what kind of sparked this? Uh, you know, what what's what's the challenge we're wrestling with here? Yeah, I think it's, and Jeff could probably give a little bit more context too. Um, I think it's the the pushback for me was my natural default is to focus in on the things I have to do. I think it stemmed off of a conversation of busyness, honestly. Uh, And correct me if I'm wrong on that, Jeff, I I believe. And just this idea that I'm 
a producer that I'm constantly producing or that I, I, I'm just getting from one thing to the next, from the next to the next. And then at the end of the day, I'm relaxing in my dad chair for an hour before I go to bed. But have I even found delight in the things that I'm doing? Have I discovered, uh, the, the smile of God upon me in, in, in the midst of the everyday, what does it even look like to actually, even though I may not in particularly, I may not in particular like the, the job that I'm in or what I'm doing or, or in those moments to still, uh, anticipate and find, uh, joy and delight in it. Uh, cause I think it's so easy to just get caught up in the busyness of the day or doing one thing or the next, over the next and missing the work of Holy spirit in the midst of all of those things and finding joy in that and what he is doing. Uh, so Jeff, maybe you give a little bit more framework, but that's kind of my perspective on that. But. Yeah. It actually was just one of those statements that was just said in passing. And, and you just said, dude, I just, I believe it's my, our responsibility to look for delight, to look for joy because God yeah. it's there if we're, if we're willing to search for it. And for me, that just sparks so many thoughts of, coming back to the joy of God, really the concrete, unchanging joy of God. You know, happiness is what all about what happens around us. It's fleeting, it's ever-changing, but joy is consistent, it's foundational, and really its heart is in God. God is joy. It's not that God is joyful. No, God is joy himself, and uh, to to look for that. Um, and I kind of threw that, just a side comment, it just drove me once again, to this thought process of the problems and the trials of our day, that we're called not to meditate on our trials or our problems. Um, meditating on our problems always is going to make them loom larger. You know, it's an attention, you know, it's an attention economy of our heart. You know, the more what we focus on, what we are looking to, we always will become like what we're, you know, I mean, we've talked about uh, You Are What You Love, James K. Smith book many times. And just passing, and I'm sure it's been mentioned here as well uh, on uh, Welcome to the Table. But that's that's within that same framework of like, what are you looking to? What are you, what are you looking to? We're called to uh, meditate on the truth of God, meditate on the promises of God, the Word of God, His character that looms larger in our life because we're going to meditate on it. We're called to face our problems, our trials, the the struggles of the day. Like sometimes to follow Jesus means to suffer. Like it means that there will be trials. Like that's just, we're not promised a pain-free life. I was reading about Stan Stewart, the steward this week. Um, if you're not familiar with that story, Stan and his wife, Anne and their whole family were called to serve in Turkey as missionaries. And uh, at a time where the gospel was not breaking through, and um, they felt that God, really, well, God really just prepared them to die out loud. Stan would uh, um, be diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer, and in essence, just live in Turkey. And through his suffering, through his hardship of just dying among those people, would open the door for the gospel to be preached in all of Turkey. But he had, you know, uh, I just look at that of like, sufferings there but he considered it like a joy to suffer a joy to be that and i was like in tears reading it this week and 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 just like that but i i think a lot of times we don't you know if we're 
if we're just focused on what's going wrong and there's not the concrete confidence in who God is in the trials, in the sufferings, we're always going to, it's going to destroy us. It's going to shake us. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think coming back to the responsibilities of the believer is to meditate on the truth of God. I look at, you know, we look at so many stories, um, like Joshua's story, uh, one nine, Moses, my servant's dead. Huge transition for that guy. Huge transition for a nation, a people. Um, all they've ever known is a leader. Um, he's gone. And, and God's re replaced him with Joshua. And Joshua is in new territory. He's a little bit afraid. You know, I, I'm taking it because obviously the, the command to be strong and courageous is just littered throughout Joshua, throughout Deuteronomy in the process of Moses preparing to take on this mantle of leadership. Um, but he had to, you know, in those first nine verses of Joshua 1, really look to his help he had to look to his strength and and focus on that to have the courage to have uh, the capacity to carry out that assignment and yeah along those lines so that's that's what's just been stirring in my heart this week well there's a lot a lot there not that um, much Khalil. there's a I'm lot just joking. for you know and i i think it helps <laughs> on a little on the outside because it's like you guys have been doing some processing on this and I'm yep. jumping in just like, okay, where the heck am I jumping in on this, this, this processing, which is great. It, it's really good. I'm hearing a couple things. If I can try and structure some, some of my thoughts a little bit yep. is I'm hearing a lot about obviously joy and the responsibility to choose joy, which I think some of this comes back in my mind around, purpose and identity to talk about our, what our purpose is and to talk about our identity a little bit as, as citizens of, of God's kingdom ver yeah. as we walk a, amongst the world. Uh, so, so those are some thoughts that come into my head, but I think there, so as we're talking about that, I think I would also in my head think, okay, so what is, we're talking about this idea of choosing joy. Um, why do we need to choose joy? Where, how does the scripture help us on this as followers of Jesus? And then maybe we can come back around and think about some things that help us uh, to choose joy when, when it gets hard. Because uh, here, here are my thoughts. I was just, as you were talking, if you, um, for those who are joining on video and you may have seen, I'm, I'm flipping through my Bible. I just flipped through the back to look at my little, um, you know, uh, reference of all, all these different words. And I was like, let's go find joy. And, uh, and there's a bunch of references to joy. So I'm like, okay, this is a, tells me right away. This is a prominent theme in the scripture. It's all over the place. And then I thought immediately of Jesus in John 15, when he, he says, you know, all these things I've said to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. There's a, there's a joy God wants us to have. And then in first or excuse me, second Corinthians chapter one, um, was the first one I flipped to, uh, Paul is talking and says, now I call upon God as my witness that I am telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. This is part of his letter, but he says, but that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you. So you will be full of joy for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. So even in correction and hardship, Paul wants believers to be identified and marked by a life of joy. Right. And, you know, we as believers, when I get back to purpose and identity, I'm thinking uh, there's a couple things in my head. One, 
identity, followers of Jesus. We live in a world right now that is very marked by depression and despair and fear and anxiety and um, all the rhythms of this world are pushing that that agenda. And so there's this... uh, that, you know, we, we watch the, the modern day news and it, the fear stories sell. Those are the ones that are going. And so there's this narrative yeah. of fear. There's this narrative you should be afraid and you should be worried. I was just watched uh, a video. It may have been on Instagram or TikTok. And it was someone basically talking about a, a product that's used really frequently today. And that's going to cause like cancer. And someone commented <laughs> and they're like, can I just have anything? Uh, you know, because we live in a day right now where it's like you can't have anything because there's something wrong with everything. Everything is going to kill you. Everything is going bad. No one is trustworthy. It's all fear, death, and despair. Yeah. But then as followers of Jesus, we live in this broken world, and yet we're called to have hope and to have joy because while we live in the world, we belong to Jesus, and he's been victorious over death. He's been victorious over every reason for fear. He's secured an identity for us, and that's why I'm talking about identity. And then we're called, even in this world with all these rhythms of despair, to have these rhythms of heaven that reflect joy and reflect family and reflect um, the hope that we have. And so um, that's something I'm sure you guys will branch off of this, but that's something that comes to my mind immediately. I'm like, okay, as a follower of Jesus, I'm meant to be marked by joy. But I think there's another challenge in my head uh, when it comes to circumstances, because when we think about joy, a lot of times we think about pleasure and fun Mm -hmm. and all those things. Mm -hmm. And we also don't find our fulfillment or our identity in pleasure and material things that we think will bring us joy. We exist for God's glory, but it's belonging to him that's meant to bring us joy. So I know I I just spit a mouthful too, but as you guys were talking and I was trying to catch up, those are some of the different things that have popped into my head. And I'm just saying, okay, in this world, we're to be marked by joy. How do we unpack that? How do we move forward from there? Yeah. And and I think Psalm 37, three, four, five, all those verses really, but right there in the middle, uh, uh, chapter 37, verse four, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. There's something different when we talk about delight and that I, like you said, I don't find my joy in all these other things, but I actually delight myself in, in creator God, in father God, the most high God. And so if I'm finding my delight in him, then as an identity marker, then the way I live my life, the way I live every, every day in the midst of chaos, in the midst of disorder and, uh, and, you know, toxicity and evil and darkness and so on and so forth. It, it actually is a, um, you stand out like a sore thumb. You should, you know, instead of what sometimes we see, I wouldn't say all the time, but sometimes we see within, the uh, Christian America or the American Christian church where we see people getting caught up in uh, the political identity Mm -hmm. and and the, 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 the spewing out on social media's uh, comment sections and so on and so forth. Well, that's not standing out at all. And that's not what, and and, you know, we really, I was looking for the quote. I have it in my backpack, but I don't want to get it up. Diedrich Bonhoeffer makes a powerful quote. I might get up here in a second and get it. Those of you who are watching, you'll see me get up. Um, 
he makes a powerful quote about how the church must see suffering and pain as a blessing. And I read that and I said, oh, dear Lord, I, I am not. And this is mid, midst of the Nazi regime. This is in the middle of uh, the Third Reich taking over. I don't think World War II had started yet, but when he quoted this, when he said this, and I just said, man, the American church, and I, I won't even do that. I just look at myself. I'm like, Sean, you are not there, bro. Mm. Like, so obviously we'll get to the practicals there, but the idea of delight, I just love that joy and delight going hand in hand, coexisting together. Anyway, it's just, yeah. Gene. I think coming back to that idea of, of meditating on who God is, right? Cause delight, that's where delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, like, what are we delighting in? First, we have to come back to the heart of God, the character of God, um, and what he's accomplished. And that gives us a springboard to actually enjoy life. Um, I, I read something recently that said, awe is the most powerful antidote for worry and fear. Awe is the most powerful antidote for worry and fear. And I believe that as Christians, we should be the most passionate about food, about uh, the pleasures that we get to endure because we're experiencing them as a window back to creation and a back to a creator. You know, like I should be the person that's enjoying the steak the most, not being like, oh, this is terrible. Like, I think like pessimism has leaked into our soul in such a way that it's just destroyed uh, delight. It's destroyed awe of who God is. Like, yes, you can see God in everything. Every good and perfect gift, James says, comes from above. Like that comes from God, not yeah. And sure. Are there twisted uh, reflections of this? Yes. But he he's given gifts to the, to the righteous and the unrighteous. And so um, how we express awe and gratitude and praise and, and wonder towards creator God through all things. Um, there's always something to be thankful for. I was listening to um, a pastor speaking. He's like, when's the last, you know, like the, the human body, like he's talking about the amount of liters of oxygen we consume in the day and he's like when's the last time you thought you worried about breathing air or you, you thought how much money have you spent on this nothing it's a free gift when's the last time you just said thank you for that so i mean i coming back to this delight yourself in the lord i think it comes back to just seeing having a new lease on life to see life through a new lens of the gospel to see life through the lens of the creator and, and his good and purposeful and kind grace towards us um, yeah. that's undeserved like th th yes there's no way, like, I'm so thankful I have taste buds that can taste good coffee. Like, hallelujah. Like, man, I can tell a good cup of coffee. Let's rejoice in that for a second. And I'll just <laughs> praise God for the bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, you're, 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 I was waiting for you to take a sip right there. Sorry. Yeah. I needed to take a breath, maybe switch to decaf Khalil. Uh, Advertisement a great product. do that for the patrons. <laughs> but I didn't say the, the whole thing though, you know, so. <laughs> I think um, what we're getting at too, and this is where, this is the challenge that I'm hearing is that we have a responsibility to choose these things. Right. And I think that challenges our present day narrative in a lot of ways because um, it's very easy to say, well, I don't have any reason to be joyful because nothing good is happening. Like, you know, interest rates are up and the economy is down and friendships are broken and family is distant and marriages are suffering. And, and we, we could look out and we can see all these different reasons why joy doesn't seem to make sense. Um, but, 
you know, we, we also hear in Romans chapter 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind and that the Holy Spirit wants to renew the way we see the world. And the, we, he wants to give us a new lens to look through. But it's our responsibility yeah. to choose to look through that lens. And you're talking about delighting in the Lord, Jeff, and you're talking about, you've mentioned several times, meditation on scripture or meditation on those things. And maybe that comes into some of the practical conversations. Yeah, I think so. But what I thought about um, as you were talking was the fact that we have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to choose what my mind meditates on, to choose and decide what thoughts I'm going to allow to, to grab my, my psyche. And so in Philippians 4, Paul totally talks about this. A very common passage starts yeah. in verse 8, and he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, as he's wrapping up his letter, he says, and here's where you should he- we should hear the choice and the decision and the intentionality that a believer is meant to take. He says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things. Things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. We can even say, because God is the God of all that is good, the God of joy, the God of delight will be with you. And, you know, I'm always challenged by that. It's one that I've tried to to memorize uh, a lot because it's remembering that there's that decision that we have to make. I have to decide, decide to meditate on these things, decide to focus and fix my thoughts on these things. And whether it happens, I don't know whether you think it happens more by accident or it's a inadvertent decision, but we tend to decide to meditate on the things that are, what is the opposite of honorable, right? What is the opposite of right and pure and lovely and admirable? That's what tends to get our attention. And I don't know if it's because culture is pushing it so much more because Mm -hmm. that kingdom of despair, or if it's because, um, that's just what tends to grab our attention. I don't know what you think. Well, and even our attention being grabbed by the immediate or what is directly in front of us, easily distracted. You know, when I looked, I, I looked up the Greek really quickly and this idea of, to think on or in the ESV and then um, in the NIV is to fix, right? To mm-hmm. fix on. I love that. I love that rendering a little bit better. The idea is to consider, to count, to consider in detailed. So it's a detailed, I think there's a pause. You can't, you can't be quick with this. Like it's not, it's not instant coffee. It's not microwavable. Mm-hmm. It is, if I'm going to really choose to, think or or to, to, to operate in this way, Mm -hmm. I've got to meditate. I've got to say, I'm going to consider this. What, what am I thinking about? Mm. And I'm in detail, I'm going to sift through it. So it does, obviously I get it. We're all busy. We've done episodes on busyness and hurriedness and Mm -hmm. Sabbath and all of those things and rhythms. But, but do I, do I pause periodically throughout my day and say, okay, hold on a second. What am I chewing on? What we are, we are, you know, there's a, a guy, I can't remember his name right now. He says, we are the species that, uh, story tells stories. We're the only, that separates us from anything else, you know? So what stories am I telling myself? What am I believing? What's the narrative that is stringing through my brain today? Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow and then strings into a week. And all of a sudden I find myself in despair or in delight, despair or in delight. Um, Mm. I think it's easy for us to get distracted, you know? Yeah. So, uh, as I'm thinking about this 
if we can maybe think of some practical some practical things unless if there's something you want to say before we kind of think about practical i don't want to i don't want to interrupt any thought process you had yeah. there no i think we can go right to to practical um i was just gonna i was gonna share a actually a scientific clinical psychologist view on this very topic within you know the framework this isn't just a, a spiritual dynamic it's very much like a human dynamic within that he says uh, and this is robert uh Lathy, he says, when anxiety strikes, it suffers are overwhelmed by and hyper-focused on their own worrisome, dark thoughts. It's a state that infuses an often misleading sense of realness, of correctness to those thoughts. In other words, worry makes us think the worst is absolutely true and failure is inevitable. Yeah. He continues saying, uh, rumination or mulling over worries is the biggest predictor of depression and anxiety. And so I just, you know, again, coming back to what are we focused on? And, and that's not to say, you know, if, if life is hard, I'm not, I'm not trying to over like just throw optimism or sunshine on a, right. a very hard situation. And, mm -hmm. and we see that in, in the Psalms, we see very real situations of, my enemies are chasing me. My, my enemies are pursuing me. God, what are you going to do? Like I'm overwhelmed, but throughout the Psalms, it always comes back to remembering, but I remember, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, we hear that statement so many times, but I remember where I, I look on, or I think on your blank and it, you know, whether it's coming back to God's faithfulness in the past, the past generations, or mm -hmm. it's coming back to uh, God's past faithfulness in the writer's lives. And so I think for us, like one of the practicals is just remembering how God has been faithful in the past. Right. Remembering not, not just what God has done for us, but how God has changed us. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause I think that's more, um, less microwavable and more substantial. Like what's the fruit that God's produced in our lives through situations that only he could work in. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So let's do this. If we can, um, I'm, I'm, I was going to say, I'm stalling so you guys can think, but I actually have some, some thoughts here that get us kicked off. But, you know, I, I really think about the person who's listening to this right now and going, um, where do I start? What do I do? How can we make this really bite-sized and really practical that I can wake up tomorrow morning and I can do it now? Or as soon as I'm done listening to this episode, I could, I could hit pause on things going on around me and I could start practicing this because, yeah. um, right now, I, man, it's, it's hitting me that the, you know, the spirit is hitting me with how important this is and how crucial this is because uh, so many people are battling what, you know, uh, a diagnosed depression, right. a diagnosed anxiety. And, um, so many people are, are wrestling with these things. And I think there's a lot of elements that we could dive into in another conversation. I think there are, uh, mental and physiological and biological elements that play into that. I think yeah. there's, there's health and diet and exercise elements that play into some of these things. But the thing we don't talk about enough in our day and age, because we're removing ourselves from God is that there are spiritual components to our depression and our anxiety and our fear as well. Yeah. And I wonder what percentage of, um, issues that people have are a result of the fact that our society has moved so far away from God. And that's not to diminish any, anyone's experience. I, I hope right. we hear that. Uh, but this spiritual element is so important. And so if we're seeking to combat our anxiety and our depression and our fear and this looking at the world and being so worried and anxious about everything, 
where do we start right now? What is something really practical that someone could do? Uh, and maybe we can just all spit spit out a couple different things and, and someone could grab something and go, that's a, that's a good one for me to start. Well, I Im- immediately thought about the kneeling in prayer as you wake up. We've talked about this in other episodes, but when you get out of bed, and this is something that I've started doing myself, praising Jesus. First thing. First thing. When I get up, thank you for the breath that I've, I have. Thank you, Jesus. I, I praise you for it's, – it's beginning with awe, A-W-E, not A-H-H. Mm-hmm. But um, beginning with awe and adoration and praise. Um, I kneel at my bed. My boys, if they, if they are – around if they're crawled into bed with us and we're going to stop usually on Sabbath. That's the case. They do it with me now because they're so used to it. Um, it is, uh, so it is the, one of the best things I have implemented here recently mm. within the last six months. Um, so I start my day off with praise and adoration and all, and literally, I mean, it's, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Some days I'll be five minutes, but mainly it's 30 to 90 seconds and that is it. And uh, then I go brush my teeth. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, that's one really practical way uh, that came to mind. But yeah, I think others that come to my mind is like you said, starting the day in awe, but I have a note uh, in my office before I start any work. And it says, if my day does not begin with you, then all of my efforts are going in the wrong direction. And I know that uh, I got to start my day by pointing my, my, my soul towards Jesus. And so uh, it is just intentional delight. Prayers of thanks. God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you that you provide. Thank you that you take care of me. Thank you that you're, you're my fortress. You watch over me. Thank you for all of these things. Another practical, Jeff, and then we'll turn to you is Uh, if I find my mind is just spinning away, especially if you're an ideas person or you just get caught in your own thoughts, um, some people laugh at me on this one. I I, I don't care, but I literally just, I just lay on my back on the floor and I get right on the floor and I lay on my back because it's that moment where I'm completely still and there's no way I can think I'm in control of my life when I'm on my back. (laughs) Yeah. God is the one who's holding the world and it just, it really stills my thoughts and I just, and I just enter into praise and worship and take some deep breaths. And, um, that's my time, like Philippians four, eight, you know, through 10, I fix my eyes on what is praiseworthy and true and honorable and good about God, not about anything else, but about God and who he is, because that's going to dictate the outcome of my life. Jeff, what are some other thoughts maybe you have? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few, you know, find a place in a space to, to have times to thank God, you know, to, to prayer, but to specifically Regardless of how today goes, this is my space and this is my place where I'm going to look through my day to thank God because I'm looking for that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm not letting it pass me by. I'm on the lookout for those little moments of joy, those little moments of delight to say, wow, God, thank you for this beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. And it could be in the harshest day ever. Um, and you know, another thing is, is don't sugarcoat it. Don't try to be overly optimistic. I think it's Thomas Merton that said, God is far too real to meet us anywhere except in reality. Um, so I, I just, we can be real. Um, God's not asking you to fake something to create moments of like false optimism or, or hope, like, but even praying, God help me to see joy in this, yeah. this hardship. Um, and then one 
one final one that that I would that I would say um, is yeah, coming back to just a prayer of God help me to see if we're not if you're not an optimistic person or you tend to see life in the in the real sense, you know, you've got eyes that just see it how it is, and sometimes it's hard for you to not be pessimistic, to not lean towards a certain bent. Um, and, and hear me, I think sometimes we can just sometimes beat up on ourselves and say, I just wish I was more positive. I wish that I could see things, but this is just my wiring, my makeup, and it's just hard for me to shut that off. And I just feel like I'm a critic all the time. Um, one, to, to say, God, help me to, to harness how you've created me for your glory and good, because we need voices like you in the kingdom of God. The church isn't just for optimists and extroverts. Praise God for that. Yeah. Um, and, and also just to say, God, give me fresh eyes to see moments of joy and delight. Cause I believe the Holy spirit wants to, to honor those prayers That's and it. we don't have to force it. We don't have to climb the ladder to have, I'm going to lift myself up to higher perspective. I believe, you know, prayer is not something that changes God. It changes us, it changes our hearts, it changes our perspective. So just even that's, that's a great first step is just to ask to have those eyes. Always. And thanks for that reminder that the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us and we don't do it on our own, but we ask for his help. Right. He does it. Yeah. Um, so I love that. One last thought just popped in my head was um, practice meditation on the, the good things and practice the renewing of your mind. When you notice you're saying something uh, and the Holy Spirit reveals this isn't positive or this isn't praiseworthy, take them just cancel it right there and then speak what is true over it right. and uh that is a good way to begin actually cutting those thoughts off in the process and replacing them with what's true so right that would right. be one maybe my last well and i like love that you said that because i've literally done that a few times this last week or or so and uh and the thought that came to mind is i don't know if this works but meditation on the go mm. so in in the midst of my day what am i meditating on and then what do i need to pause on and stop and say wait a minute is this right? Is this true? Is this lovely? Is this honorable? No, it's not. Is this even, it, this is a false thing. This is a lie. Okay. And, and it's on the go. It's meditation on the go. It's rumination. I'm so like, okay, I'm going to reset. I'm going to rethink. It takes 30 seconds, you know, 20 seconds. But um, yeah, I've literally done that like three times this last week. So it's good. Great. Well, Jeff, thanks so much yeah. for uh, bringing the thoughts and bringing the joy to the table today. Yeah, brother. Appreciate it, man. So glad. Good stuff. Thanks, Khalil, for for finding the road in the midst of the weeds, man. So <laughs> we found the path. It was good. Oh, uh, man. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for coming to the table with us. Yeah. In the show notes and the description below, you can find the links to all the social medias and the Patreon if you want to support the show. Like, like rate, review, and we'll see you next time around the table. Yeah.